what's like the person who likes bears called? Oh. <laughs> um, <laughs> no, no, leave that in. I mean, uh... <laughs> Hello, and welcome to Chosen by Committee, the podcast where myself, Josh Heron, Christopher Munden, and John Rosenberg read through every Pulitzer Prize winning play since 1918, so you don't have to, or so you'll join along and read with us. This week, we are talking about 1939's Pulitzer Prize winning play, the second for Robert Sherwood, uh, Abe Lincoln in Illinois. But first, same year as Wizard of Oz. Same year as Wizard of Oz and Gone with the Wind. All right. <clears throat> and the movie version of Men in No. A movie version of one of the plays we've read. Maybe Robert Sherwood's other play? Anyway. No. Uh, diversions aside, my name is Josh Heron. I'm a third grade teacher, uh, theater writer, currently diagnosed with walking pneumonia. So you, hopefully you can excuse the cough. Uh, at last COVID test, it was negative. And I am joined by uh, Christopher Munden, who is joining us live from the Chesapeake Bay with a statement. Hello. Uh, My last COVID test was also negative. And uh, we are joined by a world-renowned theater artist recently seen on uh, Facebook's um, into the absurd. Into the absurd, uh, John Rosenberg. Hello. Uh, let's talk about this. It's called Abe Lincoln in Illinois, and it kind of follows the trajectory of Abraham Lincoln uh, from a young man uh, in first Illinois. being, yes, in Illinois, being tutored. And uh, the play is 12 scenes of the different stages of his life going through his career as a failed businessman, a lawyer, meeting his future wife, a, another woman that he was in love with, um, his ascendancy to uh, higher political office, his debates with Stephen Douglas, to the eve of his election as the president of the United States. And the play ends with him about to embark on his career as the president of the United States. How did that go? <coughs> he got a fucking shot in the head in a theater. Um, Apart from that, Mrs. Lincoln, how was the theater? Is that a joke? That's an old, is that an old joke? That's an old joke. That, that is an old joke. Thinking, <laughs> What's, is I kept thinking of this. The plot line is like, um, you know, someone says something went terrible, you know, like, aside from that, Mrs. Lincoln, how was the theater like? I guess when you think about it, that's a, that's a really, really uh, insensitive thing to ask someone who goes through something very, very traumatic. 
<laughs> I think that's the humor. Yeah. Um, so I think a couple, so I was, I wonder, if, I'm not quite sure how to begin this. Um, what surprised you, Josh? I mean, I've read, I think it's interesting. I don't know a ton about Abraham Lincoln. Like I didn't, like I learned a lot from this play. What did you learn? I mean, just like details about his upbringing and like sort of his like station in life and his sort of early career in politics. And I mean, if the play is to be trusted, which like, who knows? Um, there's a car, a very strange Carl Sandburg like mini forward uh, that like sort of compliments the play. Um, I didn't read that. It's not. It's like, until there's a better play, this is a, a damn good one about April. <laughs> <laughs> um, Did you see the movie a couple of years ago? No, I was thinking about that too. I didn't see the movie. But this all being said, is there something that is so anticlimactic about having a play be about like whether or not this, like how this person's life is going to end up? Um, when you know, like, essentially they're telling the story that we don't know, or that like I didn't know. You know, I sort of more or less have a sense of like what he was like when he got into office. I mean, I guess. There's no, I found like it really devoid of much tension because like, okay. There's no like, trauma. Cause he's a, and I don't know if that's because it's about someone who we know how it's gonna end. And so like, okay, he's a lazy slob okay, he's going to get his act together or like, okay, he's like screwing up his relationship with Mary Todd, but we know that's going to like come together in an okay way. Like <clears throat> we know sort of these. I suppose it seemed to me like there were hints of so many more interesting plays that he could have picked up on from Abraham Lincoln's life. Yeah. And instead it was a biopic that like edited out the most interesting things and focused on, I don't know, his love, but like in no interesting way and his politics with, I don't know. It was a very strange portrayal of Abraham Lincoln. I mean, it was, <coughs> I said it was like hagiographic and, and oh, you thought he was like a emo, that he wasn't good at anything. I mean, it's, I, yeah, and it's like I, neither almost. Right, well, and I was worried that it, or I worried, I said in my prediction that it was going to like have a lot of historical inaccuracies about his like intentions around slavery. And I don't think it did that. Like, I think it painted him as pretty like morally ambivalent um, or at least politically ambivalent. Maybe there's like some sort of moral compass. Um, but like, or, like, it like takes this like mythic figure down a peg, which I think is maybe interesting, but it does it. Like, I mean, he's shown us like homey, honest <laughs> Abe, like simple guy. I think, I think for its time, it's probably like what they want a politician to be. But then they don't, he doesn't show how that gets transformed. Like, I get, and, and really they don't show any, like, they show no transformation. They show like him at these different stages, 
but you don't see him in these moments of change. You just see him like talking about it either beforehand or after. Um, well, his, uh, his first love dies and I don't know, I was reading it and he's falling in love with Anne. I'm like, is that Lincoln's wife's name? That doesn't sound right, but maybe I just don't yeah, remember. Yeah, it's funny. The same thing happened to me at first. I was like, I couldn't remember her name and then I remembered, but I was like, oh yeah, it's not her. And then she dies. So I did read, I did uh, look that up. I was like, who is this lady? Of course, his wife's name is Mary Todd which once you see, you're like, oh, yeah, of course it's me. Um, but it's not known for sure. So so uh, Sherwood would have been somewhat like something of a historical scandal that maybe Lincoln had a lover, fiancé, perhaps, before Mary Todd. Um, that so I actually, maybe didn't I, happen. I have a slightly, I, I think I had a different experience than the two of you do with, with the play because um, I thought the opening of this play was one of the most intelligent and interesting things I've ever read in a play before. That first scene? Yeah. I really like that first scene. I, I, so I, I don't the mentor? Can you talk about that? Yeah. So to me, it, um, I think, right, like the scene itself is, it's like, right, it's like, uh, a teacher and a student. So it, it, you're kind of working within the precepts of that, which is like either interesting or, or not. And I didn't find it written well in terms of the conversation. I didn't find that interesting. But what the tutor was teaching him and questioning him about was the framing device of the moods of people. And I, I thought that was really fascinating where you're talking mm. about, what is it, the indicative, the... What God, what are they? Potential. They are. The potential yeah, was one. It's the, what is the command? The imperative, yeah. the inquisitive, the uh, Yeah. So write the tenses as moods. Yeah, that was interesting. But the dialogue yeah, was so, pretty yeah, no, bad. Right. So the the mentor on the first page says, Name me the five moods. And Lincoln says the indicative, the imperative, the potential, the subjunctive, and the infinitive. Um which I'm sure if my mother was listening, she'd be like, why didn't you know those by heart? Why are you looking at the book? But so for me, the framing device of this play is like mm. examining um, character and examining different versions of people um, and versions of people under different, um, you know, through grief or through, I think you understand what I'm saying, but yeah. I got to say, as just That's an a, opening, it was really, it fucking caught me. You know, it's like my favorite, the, my, my favorite piece of art in the world is a, uh, is a drawing by someone named Jason <coughs> Perry, and it's called A Map of Days, and I don't know if either of you seen it, but it's just, he has drawn a geographical map of all the different parts of him. So all, all of his different moods, it, you know, part of the map is his ego. The other part is, is his fears. It's this very beautiful map. And so what really surprised me is I know it is a biopic and I know it's not a very deep play and the, the, the language is not very interesting. But his framing device of the five moods is very, very powerful and 
and strong. Um, I think for me, yeah. when, when, I, when I read it, it's like, he's saying something about the future again, I feel like in the same way he did in Idiot's Delight. I feel like even though, right, it's a tragedy that we, that we know is going to happen regarding you know, him being assassinated. I feel like he's talking about the cataclysm that is coming for World War II again. Um, I, but in a, I mean, that's a was, very intelligent reading of the play, but I think it's also very generous. Right, I but that, I, don't it's, think, it's, it's, I don't think it's, it's generous. I think, I, I mean, I think it's, I think it's, like, I don't think it's necessarily well executed, but I think that, like, right. I don't think it's a mistake that he chose to write this play when he did. I no, mean, and considering that, I think, and I think, his last, I think his later play is also about World War II. It's, I think that like, we can think of the thing, I think we can think of these as sort of like a sloppy little triptych, but. Um, well, it's, I, it's interesting to me because he doesn't, I, I think it's interesting that there is an evolution of his positions regarding say, for instance, slavery. It's not done, you know, as cleanly as it should now, you know, what we know now regarding his feelings regarding slavery and or just African-Americans as a whole are different, but it's not, the play doesn't protect Lincoln. You know, it's not like, I mean, it does with the wrestling scene and it's kind of silly. Do you know what I mean? I have like, you know, he's a, he's a great guy and all that, but we do watch an evolution and there's something, I don't know what he's, I don't know what he's pointing at. I don't know what he's nudging us to look at beyond um, just these kind of very simple scenes. Um, but that framing device, I think without that opening framing device, this play is fucking terrible. But with it, it's interesting. I mean, I think that what he was... Interesting, but still terrible. I mean, I'm just not yeah. sure if I see how it... Rela- like, I think it's a really good opening scene. I'm not trying to think of it as a framing device because I don't think of it, like... I don't think he revisits it. I don't think it, like... It's not like touched on again. No, no but I, I, I feel like what does, that, yeah. what, but what does happen is those moods show up in, in, in the scenes, like the, the subjunctive. I mean, I never, I guess, so I will take Chris's site here and that like, I don't know if that's intentional or like, if it is, it's like, I think those moods will come up in any play, especially a play that spans fucking 40 years. Certainly, but if if a playwright opens a scene where within five seconds a tutor is like, repeat to me the five <laughs> moods, and you repeat them, and there's also an explanation of what they are, he's saying, hey, fuckers. <laughs> you know, like, they're really... And, and I'm, not, I'm not saying it's a great play at all, but as a framing device, dude, I would... Yeah. I wish I could do that. I mean, I that's guess good. A, I totally miss that reading of it, and that's a very good reading of it. I mean, if there's a, I think that would take a, a, I think a good director then, if they could like hone that out of the text, could be really cool. But I'm not sure if it's over there. Um, I mean, no, I mean, because yeah. I do find it interesting that like the different sides we get of Lincoln, just in terms of like him being in love with Anne, uh, and I, I didn't know the whole thing of of Mary Todd being like, dude, I want to fuck. And him being like, 
I don't know. And they're just kind of being like, uh, like so they're being calling off the wedding the first time. Right. And they're just being like very, very, uh, it's just not being a war. You like her getting really, really upset with him the night of the election. Um, he that was hints- a strange scene. I mean, I think that's the thing is, I don't think that you saw, I don't think we saw a very complex person. It seems like the whole, like, it, like. Yeah, I don't, I don't think, I don't think it's supposed to be about a complex person. I don't think that's what it is. I I feel like it's something else. But that something else is like not good drama. There's not good dialogue. There's not good plot. There's not good drama. I I mean, maybe he shows those moods. I mean, you somehow, I guess what's it like, Okay, there is something interesting about making maybe the most mythologized person, especially in the 1930s, by that at that point, like in American history, into someone that is like pretty unlikable and whose like character, whose like driving character play, trait through 90% of this play is like a total lack of ambition. Right. Um, like, See, was, so what I was thinking about when I was reading it is. I was like, who, you know, what are people in the 1930s, what is their association with Abraham Lincoln, you know? And I thought of like the Abraham Lincoln Brigade that fought in Spain, you know? Um, I feel like it was a little before this. Um, But to me, I feel like there's something about people watching this that don't have ambition or something. Do you know what I mean? There's like a... Yeah, no, I think that would have been admired in a politician. In, the night, in that time, like we see, we saw those political dramas earlier on in the decade, very like cynical. And I think this is along the same way, like Lincoln is probably seen as an idealized politician and that humility and lack of ambition. And it's very much like, you know, greatness thrust upon him rather than like being born into it and achieving it or achieving it, right? There's this weird thing where like, and it's weird because the audience knows where it's going, but everyone around him, it's not Thinks like- Thinks he's great. Like, yeah, I mean, that's what's so weird is it's like, I guess maybe that's where it's hagiographic. Hey, 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 yeah, I don't know how to say that where it's like, it's like, like, he's the fucking postman. At, he's like 21 and everyone's like, oh, you need, like, you're so much greater than this. Like, <laughs> yeah, like yeah. you should run for there's president. There's a weird like aura around him that appears to everyone on stage, but certainly not clear to the audience. It's, I mean, it's- Well, I, he, he does talk down, down those rascals. <laughs> that scene is terrible. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, I could see that. Uh, I, I could see a really, really terrible, like sophomore college directing class directing that scene with those guys in like MAGA hats. <laughs> One, it is interesting just uh, chronologically that we are now the same distance from this play as that play was from Lincoln's election. Mm. Oh, that's crazy. So like the myth- mythologizing that we do for World War Two of Churchill, of uh, FDR, mm-hmm. of like D-Day, that is, it's the it's a similar remove as they have for- Right, and in the play, the Civil War. 
in in the play, one of the characters I think like in the eighteen thirties was a was a veteran of the Revolutionary War, right? and that's the same distance from Lincoln's election as the players from Lincoln's election. Yeah, yeah. It seems to me that Sherwood was pointing towards something for an audience watching this on the eve of World War II. I don't necessarily know what it is, and I don't think the play was good at all. But that opening scene was fucking that that shit, man. I would fucking steal it in a second. Don't the um, five moods, dude. The five moods. I forgot about the five moods. I didn't know about them until I studied Spanish, and then I realized that they existed. Like the subjunctive. Once I learned about the subjunctive, changed my life. If I had learned about it, it would have changed mine too. Are there, any, are there any secondary characters that struck you as interesting or like particularly? I mean, I enjoyed Mary Todd, but like I think she was designed to be interesting. Um, but outside of her, no, no one. No. Maybe we should talk. I... Mary, Mary Todd in the play is sort of written to be like all will. And like, yeah, all like, like Abraham Lincoln is maybe all idealism with zero will. Maybe. She's she's his ambition. Yeah, and that's well, the reason that... in the play that he doesn't want to marry her because she wants already wants him to be president. But it's interesting to me that she's that she's described as very beautiful and also ambitious. Like there, I don't know. For me, there's there's like a trope of like a handsome woman who's very ambitious, but, um, <coughs> yeah, like, uh, yeah, this was not, this was not a very good play. <laughs> and it's again, maybe deeply conservative. The idea of progressivism, he's multiple times praised for his conservatism. Uh, but, his, but, but his politics evolve in the play. You know what I mean? They, they definitely evolve. He doesn't stay a Whig like he was in the 1830s. Um, I don't think this play necessarily has... Because, you know, there, it actually... He points to a lot of interesting things just about the inherent contradiction between personal freedom and property. Uh, you know, like one of the major fucking flaws of America. Like, there's, there's, there's pieces in it where there is an examination of the American character and, you know, the original sin of America. It's definitely in there. I, he doesn't really dramatize it on stage, but it's definitely, it's discussed. Um, I went back, we've talked about that essay that, that um, in a book about the Pulitzer Prizes, it talks about why each prize was given. And I was interested in why, what the hell they were thinking about this. It was a, three person committee and um, one person really liked this play. One, the head of the committee really liked another play, but he accepted the third person's decision that this was a play that should win. But the, the reason was um, it was seen as like a, a great, as an American Chronicle play. Yeah. Which is, I mean, right. Like a, uh, um, like the Elizabeth, like Shakespearean history plays, and it's America's version of that. 
This is no yeah. Richard III. It's no Richard III. It's no Richard II. It's, it's no, like, Shakespeare. Oh, one Shakespeare thing I did like was um, the third act, the uh, Stephen Douglas and Lincoln speeches. Mm-hmm. And so they, he has extended speeches in the debate. He starts off with a speech by Douglas, and Douglas references Brutus. Mm-hmm. And one of my favorite scenes in all of Shakespeare is the, the two eulogies Brutus gives and then Mark Anthony gives. And it's really interesting in Shakespeare, like when you're watching it, when you're li- reading it, you agree with Brutus in the first eulogy and you're with Brutus. And then Mark Anthony says how much of an asshole Brutus is and you're there with Anthony. And I thought Sherwood did do an, a good thing of like, Douglas's speech wasn't just obviously wrong. You know, right. like when you're watching uh, Douglas's speech, he's saying things that you're agreeing with, but then Lincoln said, contradicts him uh, and you agree with him. So I thought that like, that shout out to Shakespeare was good and uh, Sherwood did do the same thing. I, uh, so my ideal production, I don't know if we're there. I kept on thinking about, I had talked in our predictions last week uh, about Lincoln's homosexuality, right? And I, I kept on like thinking as I was reading it, what if you were directing this Lincoln is gay. And so like a lot of those scenes with like um, other guys who are telling Lincoln how great he is, those are kind of flirtatious. I think that could be really fun. And, and the one scene where Lincoln, it may be in the scene where he's torn about the wedding. Oh, the scene where he's torn about the wedding and the one guy comes in drunk and like, is kind of upset about Lincoln getting married and then Lincoln's like a house divided. I thought like him being divided about his sexuality would be a really interesting way of playing that. Yeah, I'm into that too, obviously. (laughs) I mean, it's not there in the play, but I was somewhat just amusing myself reading it because I wasn't usually impressed with the play. Will you direct me as... Abraham Lincoln in Abraham Lincoln in Illinois. <laughs> You're too attractive. I, I'd be interested in you doing it as a one-person show. Yeah, all of it. Yeah, <laughs> like with costumes on stage, and I'm just sort of like, woohoo! Mostly, if we could set up like a, a number of mirrors, so it's like you arguing with the other characters, but it's right. just yourself. I yeah, love it. I'd like to see a Mary Todd. Oh, it would be very good. What's your dream production, John? Um, I really don't have one. <laughs> I Before mean, each scene, they have as a backdrop, they do subjunctive. <laughs> <laughs> my, my dream version of this is to take a time machine back to 1938, steal the part about the five moods, and then leave. And then him not do that, and then I could put it in a play. That's about it. 
I think I would give Showa the good kick in the balls too. <laughs> that from Richard Yates. Um, so next week's play. I don't know if we talked that long about it. I feel like we sort of. That's all we did. Um, next week's play is that called "The Time of Your Life." It's a five-act play by William Saroyan. The play is the first drama to win both the Pulitzer Prize for Drama and the New York Drama Critic Circle Award. Are the Tonys running yet? No, not yet. Not yet. Uh, Do either of you have experience with William Saroyan? No, I've you? read th- this play. Oh, you've read this you've play? read this play? I read this play by accident like a couple months ago, remember? Oh, I- uh, for some reason, <laughs> instead of like the 1928 play, I read, I read this play, and yeah, I won't spoil it. It takes place in a bar. It's okay. That week, you two were like texting about how much you liked the current week's play, and I was like, <laughs> really? So it was fine, but it's not like it's not like a brilliant play. Uh, I wonder if I have the time of your life. I have a prediction. Uh, someone dies, and I think it's. Oh, no, no, no I'm sorry. Go ahead. And someone maybe dies. someone is a watchmaker. <laughs> <laughs> the, the watchmaker part got me. That was good, man. I didn't see that coming when you said that. So it's set in San Francisco, Ooh. where John has lived. That's right. Do you have any predictions about that, John? I thought it was going to be about baby's dad. So, like, before Dirty Dancing. Oh. There is some dancing. Ooh. Um, well, all right. With that, I look forward to reading that. And we'll see you next week. And we'll let uh, Judy Garland play us out. Thanks, Say good night, everyone. Good night, everyone. Over the rainbow Skies are blue And the dreams that you dare to dream Really do come true